The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You know, I told you guys and gals a while back that I'm happy to be home from traveling. I'm having a problem. I just can't sleep. Daylight savings time has thrown my clock out of whack. And I think really traveling has a lot to do with it. But never seems like I never stop traveling. I'm leaving again next week to travel to Charlotte, Washington, D.C., Orlando, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Las Vegas. I've got a few more appearances that I always like to share with you guys. I'm going to be talking about holiday pet preparedness, and of course, I'm going to share those clips with you on the Pet Buzz social media channels, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about holiday pet preparedness next week, but now we've got to kick off the show with the countdown. <laughs> Segment four, we're talking with Cowan Howard, the executive director of the Organic and Natural Health Association, and she's going to clear up some of the confusion about CBD and hemp products. <laughs> And then three in segment three, Tampa Bay area, Jason Gell is going to talk to us about how a left driver stole his Rottweiler. We need to all help Jason get his dog back. And in two, this is where we get to dish about the celebrities and their pets and uh, talk about Flex Facts. And one... On uh, Fox and Friends, you guys know I was in Fox and Friends uh, on Wednesday, October 30th, and everyone really loved my last two pet costumes. They were the Statue of Liberty, and the other was Uncle Sam. And while I was describing the costumes, I was proud to say that I'm a patriot and want to bring a, a little bit of Americana to the Halloween uh, Fox and Friends set. Well, it's important for people to know that Mike and I, we love our country, and we honor those who serve, right? We absolutely do. So most important... Importantly, we appreciate all of those serving, including our four-legged friends. So in remembrance of Veterans Day, we'd like to talk about a group of hero dogs who were rescued at the end of their service in demining operations. And joining us today to talk about these hero dogs is Bob Bryant from Mission Canine Rescue. Good day, Bob, and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Dr. Fleck, thank you so much for having me on today, and you as well, Charlotte. I've never met a pet trendologist before. I'm impressed. Hey, what a great start to an interview. It's a great start. I'm already liking him already. <laughs> okay, let's move on here. Hey, why don't you tell us about Mission Canine Rescue? Uh, Mission Canine Rescue was founded in late 2013. Our mission is to rescue, reunite, rehome, repair, or rehabilitate any working dog that served in some capacity worldwide. Since that time, uh, we've brought over 500 dogs home from abroad. We've reunited close to 300 with their former handlers, and we've paid veterinary care for thousands. Wow. Impressive. Just awesome. awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about the work of these dogs? Specifically, I know you guys work with demining dogs, right? How are they trained? What do they do, and where do they do it? Their technical term are MDDs, which are mind detection dogs. They are trained normally here in the United States. Mind detection dogs work 
small squares of property to demine them. I'm not sure exactly the perimeters. I think it's uh, 30 meters by 30 meters. Uh, literally, these dogs work in a little square all day on a leash with a highly trained uh, demining expert. Uh, most of these are foreign handlers that do these uh, do this work. The dogs work in places like Somalia, also North Africa, Yemen, the Sudan, uh, any place where there have been active uh, landmines for years due to the incursions, you know, and conflicts in whatever country. So once the dogs are done with their tour of duty... That's a stressful job they have, it sounds like. Yeah. If you want to hear a, a short anecdote, and feel free to shut me down, one dog named Robbie was a mine detection dog over in Afghanistan. He was uh, the prize dog of the lot. Uh, he and his handler won prizes. And his handler one day was murdered. Uh, they haven't had any dogs like him since. And uh, the work they do is grueling. Uh, it's uh, it's just unbelievable compared to the rest of the working dog world. You said foreign handlers. Does that mean non-Americans that are the handlers? That is correct. And that's going to tie into another one of your statements that we'll address in a minute. These dogs are sent over either by contractors or contracted through government sources, through private contractors. And they go overseas to serve in these areas. And yes, they are handled predominantly by foreign handlers, uh, the mine detection dogs, different from military working dogs, uh, specifically that are government owned. So when they're done with this tour of duty, what happens to them and how do you reunite them with their handlers? Okay, first of all, uh, they do not have, in most cases, designated handlers. Uh, They will have a number of handlers that will work with them. These handlers are overseas. In this case, the dogs would be brought back home either by the contractor, assuming the contractor has not had financial difficulty, or with our help if the contractor has. Um, And at that point, uh, they're brought back over, and then we reintegrate them, give them vet care, and just kind of teach them how to be pets again. And then they would be adopted to individuals that are qualified to handle them. And the mine detection dogs are normally pretty docile. They don't require any high-end capabilities from owners. I would think, though, they would need some rehabilitation and maybe some medical treatment from service. And and then how does your organization deal with that once they're back in the United States? All right. When dogs are brought back into our care, they go to our veteran canine rehab ranch, which is uh, in Magnolia, Texas, just north of Houston. Normally, they stay with us for about three months. Uh, When they come in, they get an immediate veterinary screening. They're given any health care that they need. Any problem they have is taken care of. Their diets are checked. Their weights checked. Uh, they receive enrichments. They uh, enrichment. They get brushed. They get bathed. They have their own play yard. And they're rotated in and out of our ranch house where our kennel masters live so that they learn how to be a dog, how to be inside. From that point on, they can be adopted. You know, what I found really interesting, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Dr. Fleck, is, you know, One of the things that, as we're talking to Bob, he mentioned a lot of countries that are not Christian countries, they're Islamic countries. And we know from our experience doing the show that Islam thinks dogs are dirty. Culturally. Culturally. I mean, you know, it's written, I think, even Mm -hmm. in the Quran. So I wonder, you know, what that what that's like. And the other thing I wanted to mention is, and I'm sure you heard this, he said some of the contractors who have these dogs can't bring them back home. So, or there's problem with the contractors. It's almost like you're talking in between saying bureaucratic 
complications. Right. I mean, why would why would the government give them a stamp of approval if they <laughs> have financial difficulties and they can't bring them home? You don't have to answer that question because I think it's uh, no. I hear it every day on the news. But, you know, and if you don't, then we know why. Well, I'll be happy to answer it. Uh, I cannot speak for the United States government, of course, but but from my experience, I can tell you that when the dogs go over, the contractors are well funded. This is only a small number of contractors who don't do the right thing. Most contractors do right by their dogs. They always bring them home. They always give them good vet care. They're always treated well overseas. However, you are correct that when handled by foreign nationals in uh, Islamic countries by Islamists, they do not respect the dogs. Uh, we've seen some broken dogs come back from that situation. Unfortunately, it's one of those situations that I'm like, it's I'm having a moment where I'm kind of envisioning it. Well, Bob, thank you for an interesting and to some degree a provocative interview. Absolutely. That's my name, Mr. Provocative. God help us all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, that was Bob Bryant from Mission Canine Rescue. Such great information. You know, I always say not everyone can write a big check, but a small check is just as good as a big check. Because it's something that's we're deli- helping. We're delighted with $5. We're delighted with $5,000 anywhere in between. <laughs> uh, we just want, uh, we're delighted with somebody sharing our work. Those uh, veteran dogs are saving our lives and our culture and our America. Think about that as our other veterans. Sure. I mean, like I said, great information. So if you can help, please do. We need to protect all of the servicemen, the women, and the dogs. MissionCanineRescue.org. Next up, Celebrity Pet News and Flex Facts. I can't wait. Can you? My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night, and he led me over to a very specific person. And here, that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer, and Aladdin and I are individuals. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. 
The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed, and now it's time for celebrity pet news. It's time to dish a little bit. Well, this week we're going to talk about actor James Cromwell. Cromwell has acted in such movies as Babe, Star Trek First Contact, L.A. Confidential, The Green Mile, Space Boys, The Sum of All Fears, iRobot, The Longest Yard, The Queen, W, Secretariat, as well as some favorite television series such as Angels in America, Six Feet Under, American Horror Story, Boardwalk Empire, The Young Pope, and most recently, Succession. Well, Cromwell was arrested during a PETA protest at Texas A&M University Board of Regents meeting while calling on the school to shut down its laboratory where golden retrievers and other dogs are part of medical research. Cromwell and another man were charged with hindering proceedings by disorderly conduct and were transported to the Brazos County Jail where they were booked. This is not the first time that Cromwell has been arrested for demonstrating and standing up for the rights of animals. It seems that the university once bred, from what we understand, sick dogs for canine muscular dystrophy research, but stopped the practice this past September. While the university has stopped breeding the dogs, of course, it has continued to do its research into the disease by using dogs. In a statement, Cromwell said Texas A&M continues to torment golden retrievers and other dogs, even though decades of experiments have not led to the cure for humans with muscular dystrophy. It's time to let the dogs out. And my friends at PETA and I want them released to good homes where they can live out the rest of their lives in peace. Well, I'm curious, what do you guys think about Cromwell? What do you guys think about experimentation on animals? We want to know. Email us at teamatthepetbuzz.com or write to us on our social media channels and let us know how you feel about Cromwell being arrested for standing up for his beliefs. I'm going to post a picture because he's got a really cool t-shirt on and I want you guys to see that. Okay, moving right along. Up next is Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the time. Dr. Fleck, what are we talking about today? We are talking about air travel with your pet. Huh, this is an interesting topic. Why, why are we talking about this today? I find the topic interesting because I've been inundated with requests lately, and what I found is that most of the time, people didn't even know that they had to search out information about travel for their pets. Which is so crazy because it's been on all the TV shows, it's been on all the radio shows, it's on all the blogs. So why is it important to check with each airline before flying with a pet? Well, if you're if you're flying with your pet, each airline may have different kinds of regulations that you must meet in order to fly with, with their carrier. And also in the last few years, right? I mean, airline regulations regarding pets and travel has changed a lot, correct? Well, it's not just the airlines. Don't forget, it's the government. The USDA is, de- is determining that you need more requirements for safety, particularly for disease transmission, etc. Well, I think that coupled with the fact that, you know, regulations have talked about breeds and they've also targeted health since a lot of flight attendants as well as passengers have been bitten by pets while by flights are in the air, correct? And maybe also because of some of the abuse that some people have had for indicating that their pets are service dogs. And and we know that that's not necessarily true in so many different cases. 
So, well, if you're flying with a pet, why is it necessary to schedule an appointment with your vet as soon as, you know, soon after buying your ticket and tell the staff why you're seeing the vet that for that particular appointment? Well, most people don't recognize that there's a time frame for achieving all of the requirements, not only from your veterinarian, but also maybe from the government agencies mm-hmm. for information that has to be applied to the certificate before you can travel. Well, you know, it's interesting. They have more regulations, but back in the day, and I still believe it's the rule, that you have seven days from the date of the certificate to fly, and that also means to be back to your home base. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic. And then considering this time of the year, you know, I'm sure there's lots of requests for travel. That's a really good point because it's something to really emphasize to people that if you're traveling for a month or two months or so, you're going to need a health certificate or a certificate for travel on the other end also. Right. So you need to be prepared for that in addition to getting the certificate for traveling to your now, destination. You know, I think one of the things that's most interesting, you know, um, from actually, you know, visiting with you in your practice is the fact that you not only deal with domestics, but on a regular basis, you deal with international. And that's because we live in the Tampa Bay area and we have a lot of people who are Cubans and they visit relatives in Cuba and they want to take their dogs back and forth to Cuba. So you're dealing with international certificates as well. It's it's amazing how many people are requesting to go to these different places and need certification. But it's really, really, really important that everybody, if you're planning on traveling, start that plan early. If you're traveling internationally, please start your plan at least a couple months before travel. Because there's requirements. Because like, there's requirements. Like it's, shots and... It's not just going to the veterinarian and having the veterinarian examine and administering vaccinations or other preventative measures. That After that documentation is complete, that then has to be sent to the USDA in your local area. Then they have to stamp it. Then it's returned to you. Then if you're traveling, let's say, to Cuba... A um, regulatory organization. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has to go to those people and then they have to send it back to you and... You run out of time. Really, one of the most important things I think people need to know is if you're traveling on some of the bigger airlines, you have to have a certificate. And there are different certificates for different things. Different certificates for different things and different airlines. We've got emotional support dogs, and we also have service dogs. So if you have an emotional support dog, you need to have a letter from your psychiatrist or your psychologist, you know, and then you also need a certificate of health from your veterinarian that has to be signed and stamped and also have your vet put his license number on because in the past years we had people forging those letters with their vet's signature but now you need really specific information and then for service dogs it's a whole different bailiwick as well so you know people have to really like you said know what the requirements are for each airline and in the past pretty much every veterinarian could provide a health certificate but that no longer exists the government the usda requires veterinarians to take a course and become certified before they can actually write and provide that certification for you. In other words, you could go to a veterinarian, have your veterinarian do the exam and provide all the shots and everything, but that veterinarian may not be able to certify you to travel, okay, especially internationally. So this is a new, this is this new is, information. This is what's new. This is what's happened just recently. So there's a few of us that are certified to allow us to write the certification with the right documentation and have essentially the privilege of providing that information for you so that you can then be permitted to travel 
whether it's even within the United States, like Hawaii. Yeah, for I know. Example. We talked about yeah. that. And Hawaii is really scared about rabies. A whole know, different, whole different it's a world. Whole different ball game. Yeah, Even though it's part of the United States, it's just different. And and people don't realize if you travel from state to state, there are health requirements too. My my guidance to everybody is this: please contact your veterinarian. Ask your veterinarian if he's certified to be able. He or she is certified to be able to write a certification for travel, or if they have the mechanism to do that. Right. And that's a new thing. And your vet might not even know he might have to be certified. Well, Dr. Fleck, thank you as always. That's just Flex Facts for the week. More pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Like You of the Week. Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. In 2007, the investigation of the Humane Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. I want to talk about my I like you for the week. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. Well, this week, my I like you has to do with leashes, collises, and harnesses. You know, I recently had the opportunity to work with Upcountry Inc. The company makes the most amazing matching leashes, collars, and harnesses for dogs and cats. The company has over a hundred beautiful designs to choose from. Their ribbon, now this is key, their ribbon is stain and fray resistant because how many times do you see people at the dog park walking on the street with these frayed leashes and collars? But Really, the hardware is cast. It's not welded for extra strength and designed to last a lifetime. Here's the best part. The leashes, collars, and harnesses are made in the U.S. of A. So visit Upcountry Inc. for a new leash, collar, or harness, or even a seasonal find to celebrate the holidays. A few weeks ago, we talked about Uber testing out dog rides in a few U.S. cities, but we got some disturbing news a few days ago about Lyft, and we need your help. A St. Pete dog owner, that's St. Pete, Florida dog owner, is searching for a Lyft driver who could be seen on a neighbor's security camera taking his pet who had somehow gotten out of his house in the middle of the night. Dog owner Jason Gell is here to tell us what happened. So, Jason, how did the dog get out? Um, I, I let him out the back door. Um, he, he goes in the, he goes outside whenever he has to go to the bathroom. It's pretty normal original, I, I call it I'm his doorman most of the time, most of the day. He goes outside, he does his thing, he scratches the door, I let him back in. 
But um, this time he ended probably, up on the street? Well, what happened is that uh, there were some workers here doing some stuff. Apparently they left one of the gates open. I have an enclosed backyard with a fence. That's the only reason I went out that way. Okay. Uh, and, he, and he went out into the front yard, and I had no idea that he was out up front. I mean, he'll hang out back for an hour or so sometimes. Right. So when did you yeah. discover that he was missing? 6.08 in the morning when I woke up. So what have you done to find the dog so far? Uh, well, initially, you know, we printed flyers up, we're ready to go door to door, we're sitting there doing all the stuff. But once I discovered there was video footage of how he was taken from here, we didn't do it because he very apparently taken by a lift. We're going to put up that video footage, everyone, because I want you to see kind of what happened. Why don't you describe that video footage for us, Jason? Um, the video footage shows him he's out in the cul-de-sac where we play all the time. I mean, I don't live on a busy road. It's a pretty quiet neighborhood. But the driver comes through and he stops and you can see my parents are behind him. The guy stops and kind of beckons him over, you know, and he's sitting there looking at him and he opens his back door and he's nine months old. He jumps in the back of the car and the guy shut the door and left. Watching that footage is probably one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. I mean, I saw the footage. It was agonizing. Um, it's hard to see what kind of dog it is, but Jason has a Rottweiler who's about one year old and obviously is very friendly and very loving to humans, which is a good thing. And unfortunately, in this case, it didn't end well for Jason. I mean, so since the dog's gone missing, I found you on Facebook because you had been doing some news stories. So what, what's been circulated about you and the missing dog? I put it on every site, whether the neighborhood sites or missing dog sites, just Facebook. Uh, put the information out there and, you know, how you found me. I, I don't know how it circulates around. Web of people that have reached and, out to help and are doing things as well. I mean, it is a really amazing. I mean, people definitely feel for you because they, I believe people can envision being in your situation. I mean, we know that a lot of us take Ubers and Lyfts, especially at night when we travel. And what's really sad about this is I can see this happening over and over again, or I could see somebody saying, hey, I like that reef on the door. Let me just go and snag that. I mean, we don't know who are who are in our neighborhoods at night, but we know Uber and Lyft drivers are pretty much everywhere. No, and that's the most frustrating part. These guys are all GPS. They know where they're at. I mean, they, they have to. I mean, if you even pull up the app, you can tell where they're at. You can calculate it to the minute when they show up at your door. Um, and Lyft has not been very forthcoming with the information of somebody that was in my cul-de-sac uh, between 111 and 113. And you found that and information that, from, your, from your neighbor, correct? Yeah, uh, very fortunate that my neighbor has an outside camera, um, and he was nice enough to go through the footage and figure out when he was taken. We verified the timestamp on everything. Without it, we wouldn't know where he is. I mean, I would still be knocking on doors. Uh, but with being taken by a lift driver, who knows what's the past panic could be in Sarasota. I don't know. Okay, so and you also said to me earlier that um the gal who got dropped off by the lift driver was she was able to help you a little too, correct? Oh, she was excellent. Darlene, uh I mean I've never met her before. She saw the same way you did. She saw the story on Facebook. She came over and literally handed me her iPhone and let me go through it trying to find it, but you can't find the type of vehicle or the license plate on a receipt. It only shows up when you're ordering. 
it's not enough information to find out. But you do have a picture and you do know the name of the Lyft driver, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever he puts his name under on that app, I mean, it says Walter. Okay. It's and- a Hispanic male, and that's all that I can tell you about. Yeah, he probably looks like he's between, like, in his 40s to mid-50s, correct, would you say? Yeah, that's what I wrote. Dark that. hair, dark skin, and has a, has a small four-door car. Can you tell the make of the car, Jason? I can't. You know, I mean, if I had my best guess, I would say it's like a RAV4. I mean, it's a small four-door SUV, one of those compact SUVs. Okay, so it's a, it's a, for those people in the Tampa area... And the Tampa, you know, Bay Area, definitely check out if you end up with a dog name. Walter, but this brings me to a bigger issue. I mean, these days, everyone is telling you when you get into an Uber or a Lyft, you need to check your license plate with what pops up on the code. I know recently when I was in New York, I was traveling. I got a code from Uber that the driver had to put in, which I've never seen before, but that's what's happening now. But before you get into an Uber, make sure you take a copy, take a photo of the car, if you can, the driver, and if you can, the license plates, because it could be very, very beneficial to not only you, but somebody in your neighborhood. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what the lady, the darling, says, because I will never get to another Lyft ride or Uber ride without taking because it's not only about safety for you. I mean, we know that we've had problems with Uber and Lyft. You know, there have been rapes and all sorts of things with throughout the world. But it's really, mm-hmm. really important now that you're giving us this information about when you get the receipt, you know nothing about the driver. So take care, everyone, in terms of that. I'm just curious, what kind of responses have you gotten from the Tampa Bay community? Have they been good? Have they been bad? What 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 kind of responses have you gotten? I would say mostly good. I mean, there, there are literally thousands of people out there. I mean, I've got Lyft drivers looking for this driver. I mean, they're staking out Tampa Airport and they're looking for everybody. Most of the people have just been, what can we do to help? I mean, they are taking time out of their lives. And a lot of these people don't even have but They just, they saw the story, they saw the photos, and they were just like, what can we do to help? And that's actually how I found Jason. I saw the story on Sunday night. I couldn't sleep. And to be honest with you, I started actually trying to help you before I even sent you an email. I mean, some of the things that you folks can do out there is write to Lyft and ask them why they can't help Jason Gell find his dog. Okay. Tell, tell Lyft. You need to find Walter in St. Pete who picked up in Jason's neighborhood and who took Jason's dog. Don't feel bad if there's social media pressure put on Lyft. And also, if you need to contact Jason, you can contact him on his Facebook page. It's Jason Gell. That's G-E-L-L. Right, Jason? Yes. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's really difficult for you, but... You know, we're going to try to do everything we can at the Pet Buzz to help you get your dog back. So we're going to say a prayer, keep our fingers crossed, and uh, anything we can do, call us back if you need some help. And also, if if you do get your dog back, please let us know, because I can tell you our listeners are going to want to know. So we'll call you at the end of the week and find out what's going on and see if you've gotten your dog back. Up next, we're going to talk about the uh, Global Pet News We're covering Black Hats and the NFL Emotional Support Dog next. You don't want to miss this.
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Hey, my name is Rory Diamond. I am the CEO of Canines for Warriors. We are the nation's largest provider of service dogs for disabled American veterans, and we are asking everyone to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. Absolutely critical to do this. It will require the VA to help organizations like Canines for Warriors serve our disabled veterans with incredible life-saving service dogs and to recover from post-traumatic stress. Please contact your member of Congress to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed, and I just want to remind you, we are urban, suburban, and country here at the Pet Buzz. So let's kick off our segment with some global pet news. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. You know, Halloween may be over, but that didn't stop a black cat from making his presence known on Monday night. This is last Monday night in the middle of Monday night football game between the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. A black cat darted out onto the field as stunned fans and commentators looked on. The cat wandered the field before sprinting through the Giants end zone and eventually disappeared under a seat section. Some fans believed that the cat brought bad luck. The Giants had been leading the Cowboys prior to the disruption, but ended up losing 37-18. So what do you guys think? Are black cats really that unlucky? All I know is that a spokesperson for the team said it would round up the cats that live in the stadium and provide medical care. So that's a good thing. But now on the more pet news front, I don't know if you heard this. I thought this was outstanding. The San Francisco 49ers have brought in an emotional support dog, a one-year-old French bulldog named Zoe. The team's director of player engagement, Austin Moss, adopted Zoe after discussing therapy dogs and mental health with members of the team, including Solomon Thomas. Solomon has been very open about his depression following the death of his sister, Ella, who died by suicide in January of 2018. Moss registered Zoe as an emotional support dog and is looking into certifying her as a therapy dog. We're going to give the San Francisco 49ers team major thumbs up. We're happy to hear that. Okay, moving on with our next guest. I've been told that she's on the phone. Well, on a regular basis, clients come into Dr. Flex Clinic and talk about giving their pets hemp, CBD, and marijuana. It's really difficult to address their concerns as well as refer products to them due to the limited information about the subject matter, the little bit of evidence-based studies that have been done, and the lack of the FDA quote-unquote kind of stamp of approval. But this week, we want an expert who can enlighten us about these products and how they're being offered offered for sale to pet owners. So joining us today is the Executive Director of the Organic and Natural Health Association, Karen Howard. Karen is a former member of the National Animal Supplement Council. So Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. Thank you for having me. You know, it's interesting. Most people 
don't know the difference between marijuana, CBD, and hemp. I think they kind of all glove them together. So can you tell us about how the three are related yet different? The easiest way to remember this is that there's really one plant, and that's cannabis. And of that plant, there are two different versions of it. One is hemp, and one is marijuana. Both contain CBD. Hemp, obviously, is an industrial plant. It's been used for rope and clothing, things like that over the past. Marijuana, we all know, is one that has those psychoactive ingredients and gets you high. So the reason that we talk about hemp and CBD is that the law says you must derive CBD from a plant that has less than 0.3% of the THC, the psychoactive ingredient. But you can get CBD from both of them. And CBD is just one of over 100 phytocannabinoids in that plant. Okay, so hemp can make rope. It can also make CBD. And marijuana gets you high. Bingo. Okay. So, and they're all from the same plant. Okay. I guess that's why it gets confusing because people think, you know, you smoke this, you get high, whatever you give this, you get high. Okay. So there's so many clients of Dr. Flex and mine that are buying these products, but it seems as if they're very little regulation about buying these products. What do they need to know before buying CBD and hemp? Hemp has been around for a long time, and you can see lots of products that have hemp oil, and they also have hemp seed oil. Okay. So uh, from a pet perspective, this is really important. Human perspective as well. You can't get CBD, if that's what you're looking for, from hemp seed. You must get it from a derivative of the plant itself, not from the seed. So you want to make sure that what you're you're looking for is hemp-based, not hemp seed-based. I just looked at the number one seller for Amazon. And its first ingredient is hemp seed oil. So there's no CBD in that product. That's one thing. There are a lot of claims associated with this product. So on the human side, they say it can cure almost everything. On the pet side, there's much more responsive to pet owners' needs around things like arthritis and pain and, and anxiety, storms and things like that. So you need to be careful about them talking about diseases because nobody's allowed to do that. And that's what the FDA has been very focused on with those products. So it seems like a lot of these stories we hear, they're more anecdotal about the fact that people have been giving their pets CBD and make sure that we're not buying products as we're looking in our search to alleviate, let's say, pain or something, that we're buying products with hemp seed oil. That's not going to help us and that doesn't have CBD. Because I've seen products that say they're made from hemp seed oil and treats that are made from hemp seed oil. So we need to stay away from that. Am I on the same page with you? I just want to make sure I understand. Absolutely. And we also know that there are very few evidence-based studies. I mean, a few have been coming out of Cornell in conjunction with Elvet, But right now, the use of CBD is really I'm not allowed by the FDA, would you say? The FDA has come out and said that it is not allowed to be used as a food or in pet supplements because they consider it to be a drug. Okay. Then why is it still on the market? It's still on the market because they haven't issued any regulations around this. So, and industry doesn't necessarily agree with them. The product that we all know about being treating this horrible case of epilepsy in young children is a concentrated CBD extract that they've created as a drug. The rules of the game say, if you get to call it a drug first, then it can never be a dietary supplement. Most of the good companies are not using CBD extracts because they understand the FDA is drawing the line. What they want to say is full spectrum or broad spectrum hemp. Unfortunately, 
a lot of retailers, processors consider that code for CBD instead of a product that's using the wide variety of phytocannabinoids that are in this product to create something effective and useful on the human or the pet side. Yeah, that's so another... So this is where it gets complicated. I mean, it's very complicated now. So I see products that say full spectrum and I see products that say broad spectrum. So what does that mean? Because some manufacturers have told us that broad spectrum hemp has no CBD in it, no psychoactivity ingredients. Well, psychoactive would mean it had zero THC instead of 0.3. Yep. But that isn't necessarily what that's meant to be. It's really a way to to be able to create product that doesn't just have a CBD concentrate because that's the real issue, concentrating that CBD. And this has so little bearing on what consumers want in the world. This is, you know, it's just a, a, a very complicated regulatory, soon to be legal process in terms of what people can sell and can't, which has made it that much more complicated for people to get quality products from good, reputable companies that label correctly and do all the testing. The well, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of CBD products are come in the form of bite or treats, which is right. pet food. Treats? are not allowed to have all kinds of things that we consider supplements. They're prohibited in treats. Is that why they call them bites sometimes instead of treats? Yes, things like that. Okay. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, like I said, it's just, I'm like, my mind is still cluttered. Ay, ay, ay. I'm sorry about that. No, Sometimes it's okay. But you know what? It's so it's great because it just lets people know that the regulations aren't set in stone or what regulation there are is a little regulation and you can't necessarily rely on manufacturers to be truth telling, right? And that right. there's a lot we need to wait a little bit more and absorb a little bit more about this whole area of product. The good news is that animals do not have a placebo effect. So if it's not working, you know you don't have the right product. Let the buyer beware. Well, before we go, we got to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about holiday pet preparedness, dancing and dogs, and pet cancer. We want to give a special thanks to Bob Bryant, Jason Gell, and Karen Howard. And of course, we must always thank our sponsor, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier dogs everywhere. Now, if you have a question or a comment, email me at team at thepetbuzz.com. We always want to cover those questions on our next show. And don't be shy. Send us pictures of your pets. Let us know if you liked a segment, if you didn't like a segment, if you want more information. Dr. Fleck and I are here. We want to stay in touch with you. But if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as our favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly... We want you to remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.
Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple. And it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com.